Welcome to War Stories. I'm Preston Stewart, and this is a show where we talk about America's military history through the lens of individual acts of heroism and valor. Enjoy. All right, today we've got the story of 2nd Lieutenant David Kingsley of the United States Army Air Force um, serving during World War II. And the story of David Kingsley is one that I think we can um, better compare ourselves with or better relate to, I guess is the way to say it. You know, it's, it's hard sometimes to hear a story of somebody charging the beach at Omaha on June 6th, 1944, and, and really put yourself in their shoes and ask yourself, would I do it? I don't know. It's just hard to compare to that. The story of David Kingsley is something that can be applied outside of the military, outside of combat. We at least can understand the context and can ask ourselves, would we do this thing? Um, So as a little background, David Kingsley was serving with the uh, 341st Bombardment Squadron, part of the 97th Heavy Bombardment Group that was uh, included in the 15th Air Force during World War II. They were engaged in the European theater of operations and were dropping bombs all over Europe. They were hitting targets in Italy, France, Germany, Czechoslovakia, Austria, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Yugoslavia, Greece. I mean, they were getting after it. So this was a um, a heavily decorated unit, and they were um, flying a lot of missions over occupied Europe. Um, The unit was primarily made up of B-17 Flying Fortresses, which was an American bomber, American-made bomber. It had a crew of 10, and the positions varied a little bit. There's some overlap, I guess I'll say, but but generally speaking, you had the B-17 crew of 10. You had a pilot, co-pilot, navigator, the bombardier, which is what Lieutenant Kingsley served as, the guy who's responsible for dropping the bombs on target. You had the flight engineer, the radio operator, and then four dedicated gunners, um, but six really gun positions. So the defensive mechanism on a B-17 was a 50 caliber machine gun. And you had two waist gunner positions, which were at the waist of the airplane right in the middle. Um, and you would have a dedicated gunner for each of those, one looking out left, one looking out right. You had a tail gunner at the rear of the aircraft looking behind. There'd be a dedicated gunner for that. You had a uh, ball turret gunner, which is a uh, ball underneath the aircraft. So guys would have to sit in this glass dome underneath the aircraft, you know, almost in the fetal position, shooting between their legs. Um, it's a look up the picture of what a ball turret gunner sat through in World War II. It's crazy. Um, they'd sit there for you know eight hours at a time sometimes. And then there were a couple other positions. There was a nose gunner up at the front of the aircraft. And sometimes the bombardier would assume that position as needed. And then there was a position on the top of the aircraft. Um, and sometimes the flight engineer would assume that. So, you know, it's it's a little bit of flexible defense. They they There were a few of these positions where the crew could move around as needed. So, of course, in the middle of a bombing run, the bombardier is busy dropping bombs. But if they're catching heavy... Um, heavy uh, enemy for if, if there's a heavy enemy presence, enemy fighter presence in the area, that bombardier is going to quickly move into the nose gunner position. 
So on June 23rd, 1944, um, Lieutenant Kingsley was serving with uh, his aircraft, was serving as the bombardier on his aircraft as they were flying a mission over Bulgaria. They were hit by flak uh, en route to the target. Um, but he stayed in his position, continued, went ahead and dropped his bombs, um, successful mission. And then they, st- they turn around and start coming home. On the return flight, they're intercepted by multiple enemy fighters, multiple multiple German fighters. Um, the plane takes a few more hits and there's wounded within the aircraft. So the first wounded is the tail gunner. Um, some bullet wounds. Kingsley is, remember he's the bombardier. So now that the bombs are dropped, he's a little more flexible in what he can do. He's called to uh, treat the tail gunner. He runs back there, gets to this guy who who is bundled up. All right, so these uh, bombers were flying at roughly ten thousand feet, and they're not well insulated. Um, you know, they're not designed for comfort. So these guys would have to have multiple layers of clothing on. It 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 was at least freezing, probably below freezing air temperatures. So these guys are in that for hours at a time. They're bundled up. There's a lot of clothing, which becomes a problem when there's a wound because you can't identify, you know, how severe the wound is or if there's how much bleeding there is or, or the, the, you have to, you have to start removing that clothing. And that's what Kingsley was doing with the tail gunner. He removed the parachute harness, which these guys all wore at all times. They always had their parachute harness on, um, so he, but he had to remove the harness to get to this guy. The, the harness may have been damaged as well, it sounds like. But he started ripping his clothes away to get to the wound to keep this guy alive. Um, as was common practice, you got to get in there. Um, he, he stabilizes the tail gunner um, and continues working around the plane as needed. The um, There's another gunner that's wounded. And Kingsley again moves to that position to help uh, help treat that wounded airman. Eventually, the order is given to bail out. The plane is beyond repair. Um, the pilot's not going to be able to keep it moving, and the crew is going to have a better chance um, parachuting out of this crashing aircraft than trying to pilot it any further. With that order, everybody gets ready to jump out of the plane, but they can't find the chute for the tail gunner. Remember, Kingsley was treating him and had to remove a lot of his clothing to keep him alive, to find these wounds and treat the wounds and keep him survive, keep him living um, to where he even has an option to, to uh, bail out of the aircraft. But in the panic, they can't find the chute. They, uh, they're short one. So now we have 10 uh, airmen that need to evacuate this aircraft. That's cracked on, on those on its way to crash and nine parachutes. Without hesitation, Lieutenant Kingsley um, takes off his chute, places it on, straps it on the wounded tail gunner, and stands by as the rest of his crew exits the aircraft, um, exits the doomed aircraft. And he stays on board um, for a few more moments as the plane crashes, killing Lieutenant David Kingsley at the age of 25. And that's... Why I mean, I, I think this is something we can put ourselves in the position of. You know, the the tail gunner survived. Well, the tail gunner survived because Kingsley was back there treating him, keeping him alive on the flight. But um, then obviously, because he had a parachute to jump out of that airplane. Um, so Kingsley, without hesitation, sacrificed his life 
so that his crewmate and friend could live. And he did. Um, This is one of those instances where it's hit or miss with a lot of these stories. Sometimes you think maybe the person feels they're invincible. So they do that thing thinking there's no chance they'll die. Um, Look, the plane's crashing at high speed. Then David Kingsley knows what's coming. He knows what he's doing. Um, And I think this is something that we can relate to a little bit more than some other stories. You're on an aircraft. There's four of you and there's three parachutes. What do you do? And uh, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. The um, how quickly he did that, how little hesitation he had in just giving up his life so his buddy could live. He'd be awarded the United States Medal of Honor for this. And it's, I mean, hard to think of a, hard to think of a, uh, a better use case for the medal, right? Um, very clearly sacrificing his life for his buddy. So David Kingsley, age of 25, passed away on June 23rd, 1944, um, near Plosti, Romania, by giving his parachute to a wounded tail gunner so he could live. Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories. If you get a chance, it'd mean an awful lot if you could head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It helps others to to find the show. But thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.